so uh, good to be back in this space. Wish we could all be here together. Hopefully you get to be at home, enjoying uh, your family, or your roommates, whoever you're with. Uh, I'm excited to be bringing you lie number four in the midst of this series, Lies That We Believe. Uh, and this is one that as I've been talking with justice and praying, that I find all the time uh, can come and attack me, my wife, my family, people that I care for, people that I know. And no matter how long we've been following Jesus, this one keeps seeming to be coming up. And so here it is, lie number four is, I guess that's just who I am. And I don't know about you, but as I follow Jesus, I'm continuing to look towards something that I'm desiring. I'm looking forward uh, to someone that I long to become. And along the way, the longer that I live my life, it's easy to slip into this mentality of, well, I guess that's just who I am. And so I want to be reading a story today uh, that really takes uh, a woman out of this life. I guess that's just who I am. And Jesus brings her into an entirely different reality. And we're going to be looking at what that looks like for our life today. So if you have a Bible, why don't you grab that? We're going to be in Luke chapter 8 today. Starting in verse 40, it says, Now when Jesus returned, a crowd welcomed him, for they were all expecting him. Then a man named Jairus, the synagogue leader, came and fell at Jesus' feet, pleading with him to come to his house because his only daughter, a girl of about 12, was dying. As Jesus was on his way, the crowds almost crushed him. And a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years, but no one could heal her. She came up behind him and touched him, the edge of his cloak, and immediately her bleeding stopped. Who touched me? Jesus asked. When they all denied it, Peter said, Master, The people are crowding and pressing against you. But Jesus said, someone touched me. I know the power has gone out for me. Then the woman, seeing that she could not go unnoticed, came trembling and fell at his feet. In the presence of all the people, she told why she had had touched him and how she had been instantly healed. Then he said to her, daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace. For those of you who are familiar with scripture, this might be a story that you've heard before, but there's a couple of things I want to draw our attention to in this story. Number one, this story is about two daughters. The first, Jairus, a synagogue leader, someone of great importance in that culture, was there pleading with Jesus to come and heal him. And as Jesus is on the way, as crowds are pressing in around him, something else extraordinary happens. This woman, according to Leviticus 15, who had an issue of blood, would have had to been removed from culture. She would not have been able to touch her husband or her children. She would not have been able to go into the temple for worship. And anywhere she would have gone, she would have had to proclaim herself that she was unclean. And so because of this, her identity, what she believed about herself, because this had been going on for years, had begun to change and warp and understanding, well, I guess I'm outside of community. I'm outside of relationship with God. I'm outside of the life that I've always wanted. And Jesus, as he's walking, she's overcome with his desire and goes and touches him. And he realizes something happened. As everyone is crowding around him and touching him, something happened within him that power left him. And so he begins to ask and look around, who was that? Who touched me? And as this woman realizes that she's not going anywhere, she comes trembling. And then that fear that is manifesting itself physically tells you a little bit about the narrative that she's believing internally. That she doesn't belong there. She shouldn't have done that. 
She broke the rules. And Jesus does something extraordinary. And I know what you're thinking. Yeah, he heals her of a disease she's had for years, which is obviously a miracle. But something else takes place in the story that Matthew, Mark, and Luke's gospel all record is that it's the only time Jesus calls someone by the name daughter. Think about this for a second. We're introduced to this story about one daughter, a 12-year-old, who is on her deathbed that Jesus is on his way to heal, and he does. And in the midst of that, this invisible, forgotten, probably elderly woman who's lived most of her life outside of community, outside of knowing love, comes and not only receives a physical healing, but is given a brand new identity. As Jesus, who might have even been younger than her, looks at her with the heart of his father and calls her by the name that she's been longing to be called because it welcomes her back into an idea of relationship and he calls her daughter what a magnificent moment that this lie that she had been believing for years i guess this is just who i am is reversed my prayer is that as you're watching this whoever you are wherever you are is that you would have a moment and an opportunity to evaluate some of the lies that you've believed and to let jesus speak a new truth over you to tell you who you really are because here's the things about lies the same lie can be told by different voices and the same lie can be told by different tones let me give you an example you see the same lie i guess this is just who i am could be told by the enemy whispering that into our spirit so you'll never make it so you'll never, you'll never be greater than the heritage you came up of. You're never going to be better than the past mistakes you've made. Maybe that voice comes from others. It's often say, the psychologists say that who we believe we are is formed by the people we love the most and who they say about us, which is great news if we're surrounded by people of encouragement and it's devastating news if we've grown up in a, in a space where we've been longing to hear something other than our failures and shortcomings. So sometimes those voices, that lie can come from just people around us. And sometimes that same lie can just come from within ourselves. Maybe you have, maybe you know uh, what God is saying, what other people are saying, but there's something inside you that just believes, I guess this is just who I am. But that same lie that can come from different voices can also come from same, different tones. Think, think about this. Sometimes that lie, I guess this is just who I am, can sound like defeat. It's a giving up. Sometimes that, that, that lie can sound like deceit. It can sound like someone saying, listen, you're, you're never going to be more than what you've already proven yourself to be. And even thirdly, sometimes that lie can sound like defiance. That you know what? Even if I know I can change, I'm not going to. And so whether it's defeat, deceit, or defiance, whether it's the enemy, others around us, or ourselves, we have to recognize this lie that sometimes wants to creep into our souls. This is just who you are. Let me tell you something. You are who you are because you were created with a purpose. There is a Father who knows you, who formed you with intention and with the design, with purpose. And as a master artist would, there is a desire in his heart that you would fulfill that. But in order for us to step into that destiny and into that purpose, we have to understand something. Actually, a few things in order to move forward. Three things I want you to consider this morning, or whenever you're watching this, as you move forward in defeating this lie. And here are these three points today. Number one, who Christ says you are is the truest thing about you. Number two, 
Grace transforms us while guilt only traps us. And number three, growth comes from the Spirit, not from striving. We're going to be walking through these three points and understanding this is how we grow. This is how we change. This is how we step into what God has always said about us. So number one is that the truest thing about yourself is what Christ has said about you. Not what you believe, not what you're feeling on an off day, not what a, what a boss has said, not what someone has said in their own wounding or hurt. It's what Jesus has said about you. The thing he's spoken over you is the truest thing about yourself. Because someday... We'll all have our eyes open to the reality that what Jesus thinks of us, what he has said about us, is a greater reality than even our greatest sense of feeling, our heritage, our past, and even our dreams and our potential. It is what Jesus has said about us that defines who we are. Would you rest in that truth today? Second thing that we need to cover is that when we're in that place and we feel like, I guess this is just who I am, the hope is that we'll grow. The hope is that we'll change. But let's understand something very critical here. Grace transforms us, not guilt. Guilt will trap us into thinking that we're changing, but all we're doing is beating ourselves up more and more. I mean, how about you? Have you ever found yourself doing something, being someone that you're not happy with? And so he, immediately you go into this, this whole inner dialogue of like, man, I shouldn't have done that. I shouldn't, I, man, I, I could have done better. That's not who I am. And you think by beating yourself up internally that you are somehow going to change and be better. Let me tell you something. Guilt will never change you. It'll only trap you. It's grace that transforms us. This is why in Romans chapter 2, it says that it is the kindness of God that leads us to repentance. Repentance, for those of you who are unfamiliar, is this, this, this ancient word that just talks about turning, shifting, going in the right direction. That happens not because of us beating ourselves up enough. It doesn't happen just because we have enough willpower. It happens because God has gotten a hold of our heart with his grace and with his kindness. Uh, my son, Augustine, just turned four years old, and he's entering that stage of reasonability. But there's times when he'll do things. He'll throw a toy at his sister. He'll go and do something that he knows he shouldn't do. And immediately, as his dad, this thing rises up in me that I'm like, I got to correct that. I got to make that right. And he knows when I call his name in that certain kind of tone, he doesn't just run and say, what do you want me to do, dad? You know what he does? He says, mom. And he runs and he goes and finds his mom. You know why? Because he knows his mom's going to give him a different kind of grace while I'm going to give him something else completely. And I love how my wife uses the tenderness and the compassion God has given her not, not to do away with or to turn away from the wrong that was done, but in her kindness draws him close into her arms. And I watch his heart change and a capacity and at a rate that any amount of discipline I would do in anger or frustration could ever do. And that's what God does for us. He welcomes us in with his kindness just as we are whether it's the deceit or the defeat or the defiance that we're walking in. And as he welcomes us in, it's in his kindness and grace that he begins to transform us. You are not who you've always been. We are not just who we think we are. We are who Jesus says we are, not because we've worked hard, but because the grace that he displayed for us on the cross. And that is the good news of the gospel. 
The last thing I want to leave with you guys today, if you're like, how do I grow out of this? How do I not believe that lie that this is just who I always am? The third point is this, that growth comes from the Spirit, not from striving. You see, when we place our trust in Jesus Christ, it says that the Holy Spirit comes and makes His home in us. He dwells us. And that does a lot for us. You remember that power that left Jesus as the woman touched Him? Well, that same power is given to us through the Holy Spirit, it says in Acts 1.8, when He comes upon us. And so for you, as you're watching this, if you place your trust in Jesus Christ, you can know that the Spirit of God resides in you. If you've never placed your faith in Jesus Christ, there's going to be an opportunity to do that in the next few minutes. But know this, the Spirit of the living God comes inside of you. And there's a couple of things that happen. It's not only an empowerment, but inevitably what happens is that fruit begins to bear in your life because you have just been attached as a branch to a vine and that vine is the author of life. And so it is inevitable that if you connect yourself to Jesus and he has connected himself to you, that you will not stay the same. It's impossible for you to stay the same. You are not who you were. You are welcomed into a greater truth and reality that who Jesus says you are is who you are. And you may spend a lifetime learning what that means and living into that and walking into that. But don't be frustrated because it takes time because you know what Jesus said? It's about fruit. Have you ever seen fruit grow before? No, you've seen the byproduct of a fruit that's grown. And that's oftentimes, you might not see growth in the last week or month, but if you look over years of continuing to place your trust into Jesus Christ, you will begin to look back and say, I'm not the same person anymore. And for those of you who look back and you're not satisfied with your growth, let me remind you, don't look for your own measure. Look for the truth of what Jesus has said about you. But here's the good news. It's about fruit. It's not about striving. It's about the Spirit of God. It's inevitable. I love that. Fruit is inevitable. When the Spirit of God is inside of you, it may take longer than you'd like. It may even take a different shape than you'd like. But as we continue to be that woman who reaches out for the hem of a garment that we did not earn or deserve, but receive the grace and the power of Jesus Christ, He purchased for us, we will be changed. My prayer for you is, as I say you're watching this, is that this would not be a sermon that makes you feel like, man, I just got to do better. I've got to change. I'm not enough. Maybe you're a mom and you're dealing with this sense like, man, maybe I should have been a better mom. Can you please hear me, hear the truth of Scripture and understand that what Jesus has said about you is the identity and the reality you are to walk in. You cannot beat yourself up enough to change. It is by grace and grace alone that we change and repent and transform. It is by the Spirit of God that the fruit of love and joy and peace and patience begin to start to, to explode from our life. And that is available to us as a free gift, not as a result of the law, but the grace of Jesus Christ. So here's what I'd like for you to do. If you're watching this, and you want to make a decision right now to place your faith in Jesus Christ, to welcome Him, to take the, the, the throne of your heart, to become King of your life, all you need to do is an act of surrender. To welcome Him in, to, to say what He says about you, the truth of what He says about you, instead of the lie that you believe in, of I guess this is just who I am. This is not just who you are. You are who God says that you are and to welcome that grace and that you would feel not the, not the weight and the pressure of the law, but the lift and the life of grace that he gives you. And watch what happens when the Holy Spirit comes in your life. 
moves you from death to life, from beauty to ashes, from mourning to praise. This is what God does. And if you're sitting here, this is what God's will is for your life. 